Welcome to Word of God Broadcast with Pastor Opie Swells from Multitudes Church in Laurenburg, North Carolina. Our prayer is that your heart would be like moistened soil, ready to receive the seed from God's Holy Word. Now, today's message. Conquer the grave. He is David's rule. 
close attention. I, I want you to make sure that you get this scripture, this scripture reference. It's John 3 16. Probably the most well-known scripture even among non-church goers and people that don't even really know anything about the Lord. There's people that probably attend many NFL football games and read John 3.16 on a poster. I've seen, I don't know how many in my life, and people are kind of uh, at least aware of it that it's a Bible verse, but it's more than a Bible verse. And you know, we've been talking for three weeks about gifts back to God, glory to God in the highest, and then the Word of God, and then this past week, it's just, it's been on me so much about these, these gifts that, that we can give back to God and even in the form of love. And, and I know everybody has probably done something in a, a benevolent way, either through the church or on your own, and God will bless you. Those are called alms, by the way. When Peter went to Cornelius' house, he went there to take him the gospel of Jesus Christ because his alms showed up in God's eyes. And God was very favorable to that. And so all of these gifts are really one that complements the other. And God loves them all when you give them back to him through the ways we've talked about. But the gift today in this series is Jesus. God did 
give us Jesus. But you're going to find out that more than anything that you've given or you've received today or during this time, nothing will even begin to compare to getting or giving somebody Jesus Christ. Let's read it together. For God so loved the world that he gave. Every time you give in an offering, every time you give a cup of cold water in the name of the Lord, whether it's inside of the church or it's an arm that you do for somebody, a neighbor, a friend, a co-worker, somebody you know in the community, please make sure that you so love what you are doing and why you are doing it. Let love always be the motivating reason that you do what you do because when love is what's causing you to do, open your Bible calls it bowels of compassion. When, when you do that out of love, it, it goes far beyond what anybody can ever imagine. And God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't just give an alms. He didn't give a good offering. He didn't give a piece of advice. But he gave his son. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave his son because he loved you. Jesus absolutely did not have to leave heaven. But God loved you enough till he wanted to Reveal himself to me and you. And he wanted to put flesh on that holy God that he is. So as a babe wrapped in flesh, in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger, God, through Jesus, stepped down here on earth just for the simple reason that he loved you. You couldn't do anything for him to ever, ever merit that kind of love or receive that kind of, you couldn't do anything. You were made in his own image, and he loved you. Just like nobody can do anything to cause you to give up a child or a grandchild or somebody you love, you couldn't do anything to turn God's arm. God did it just simply because he loves people. He loves rapists. He loves murderers. He loves homosexuals. He loves transgenders. He loves liars. He loves politicians. He loves lukewarm church people. He loves people that will never do anything but blaspheme his holy name. He hates sin. He hates choices people make on a millisecond basis. But at the end of the day, everybody ought to understand, God really loves me because he sent his only son. He didn't pick like we do. We'll just, sometimes we'll figure out if we don't need this, we'll give it away to somebody or something. Could be good and come from a good heart and all that. God didn't go through a bunch of sons and give the, the one that he spent the least amount of time. He gave his only son for you. And this won't mean, 
I've said this before. This won't mean anything to us like it will when we get to heaven. I know we won't be able to cry. But I believe somebody at some point will walk through heaven and see Jesus seated on the throne. And in our mind, if it's possible, we say, Lord, God, you left this to come down there for me, for us. You left this splendor. You left this glory. You will not understand the love God has for you. I do believe to when that which is in part will be complete when we are standing before God, before his throne. God loved you, church, more than you'll ever know, more than you'll ever be able to serve him back. God just loved you. And I think it's amazing to me that the Lamb of God that would be sacrificed 33 years later, before it was ever sacrificed on a cross, I think it's something that the Lamb of God was born and placed in a stable, in a feeding trough, among other lambs, sheep, and all kinds of animals. He wasn't an earthly animal, but he was God's perfect, spotless lamb because the thousands upon thousands that had been sacrificed up until that very day, all of the sheep, all of the oxen, all of the doves, everything that had ever been sacrificed, Nothing could satisfy what sin had created and left on this earth but the spotless Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And God was willing to give up His one and only perfect Lamb to be slain for me and you. I think we ought to just say thank you, Jesus, right now. Hallelujah. You see, when Jesus was born, the shepherds came to see Him and worship him in the beginning, but it would be the soldiers that would come at the end of his life to seize him and whip him. At his birth, Mary would look at him and she would feel so whole. But at his death, Mary would look at him and it would pierce her soul. At his birth, Joseph, his appointed father, would find a place for him to be born in, but it was another Joseph at his death that would give him a place to be buried in. He was born as a lamb and a manger, as I said, but at the end of his life, he died as a lamb on a cross. And God did all this. But you know what? Right after he was born, about 2,000, about two years later, wise men, somewhere around 2,000 years, Wise men would stop everything and come worship him, bringing him gold and frankincense and myrrh. They would come to a house he, would, he was in, and they would worship him. But I'm telling you, wise men and women stopped everything and came to worship him today, 2,000 years later, in his house. And I think we ought to just give him another hand because he's here. Hallelujah. So God bless you. You might not have walked in here with gold and frankincense and myrrh, but just the fact that you came in his house makes you a wise man and a wise woman to worship him of all days on this day. You know, I was thinking earlier, because I said I wasn't going to say anything, but I love the man so much. 
And the closest thing I can think of that's the closest to us, I, 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 I thought about it like this. And I told you, again, other people are going to take this, especially outside of the church, people will take this and misconstrue what I'm saying and what I'm trying to get at. But I'm talking about the worth of Jesus Christ and what he means to me, what he means to us, and, and what this day right here means for God giving us his son. I said, you know, probably the biggest rival at the high school is probably that between Scotland and Richmond. It don't matter if both of them were to have, I mean, complete losing season. It'd still be a big rival. And, and this is on a, such a whole different scale, but I want you to think about it because it's right up the street, and, and, and so you can really uh, identify with this. But just what if? They were playing each other in a Friday night football game, and this was, I just said they had losing seasons, but what if they both were tied and had winning seasons, and this was, this was like state championship. And they were expecting 15,000 people there. It, what I'm talking about, us coming and worshiping him today, would be like you and I getting together, getting our jerseys, getting off work early, having a tailgate party, but at game time, go to Belk and go shopping. That's funny, isn't it? But do you know that's exactly what's going on all around the world today? I just have never been able to understand it in all my life. I got family. You got family, just like the whole world has family, amen? You got food you ain't going to eat and you're going to throw out that you're about to die to get back to, just like me. But you know what? At the end of the day, if Jesus Christ had not a stepped out of splendor into a dunghill called earth, we wouldn't be doing a thing, amen? So why do anything and everything on top of this is what I just want to know. There's no call for it. And so I thank God that we are here today to worship him and what the Bible says in spirit and in truth. And you know what? Every time you witness to somebody about Jesus, I don't care if you give them a million dollar bill or you tell them about Jesus, it's like you are giving, giving God back, just like those other three Sundays, it, you are giving God back a gift because just like his word and his love, uh, he just, just, just sits and kind of waits on not my advice, not what I read, not what I downloaded, but God just loves it when I just, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Hey, he can do everything the Bible says he can do. He can do everything that song says he can do. And you know what? When you give somebody just plain old Jesus, it can change their life and it makes God feel so good because he sent Jesus down here out of love, but he also sent Jesus as an investment into my life and in your life. And he's really hoping that that investment is going to compound over and over again. In fact, I'll just give you a scripture. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. That's what he said. 
concerning God giving us Jesus. The old uh, scholar Matthew Henry wrote this right here. In order to the redemption and salvation of man, it pleased God to give his only begotten son. He not only sent him into the world with full and ample power to negotiate a peace between heaven and earth, but he gave him, that is, he gave him up to suffer and die for us as the great sacrifice. It comes in here as a reason why he must be lifted up. For so it was determined and designed by the Father who gave him for this purpose and prepared him a body in order to it. Uh, his enemies could not have taken him, listen to this, if his father had not have given him. They would have never whipped him. They would have never put the crown of thorns on his head. They would have never put the spear in his side, spit, stripped him naked in front of his mama and the whole hillside to see. They would have never mocked him. They would have never done any of that, been able to, if the Father had not have given him for them to do that. He loved you, church. He loves you. And he's glad to know that you love him and to understand why God gave his son, there's a story, if I can get to it, and if you want to turn to it uh, on something you have, if you have a phone or something, or you can just read with me on the screen. It's over in Numbers chapter 21, and this is an Old Testament story that a lot of people are familiar with. But maybe you have forgotten one or two things about it, or you may not understand how the Old Testament just paves a way and opens a window to the New Testament. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to just jump down to verse 6. And let me tell you before I read it, the children of Israel once again murmured and complained about God, what he was doing. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people. And many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. See, all Moses did was what I pray to do every week, just tell you what God said. But they didn't just jaw with God. They jawed at Moses for telling them what God said. We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he shall live. Now, 
Moses did what God told him to do. Because the people were dying. And this brass serpent that Moses had sculpted and he placed on a pole, the Lord had specific instructions for what Moses should do and what the people were to do. And I'm just going to tell you, when you get to the place in your life where you figure out that jawing against God is not the right thing to do and you see other people dying and other people suffering, then sooner or later, you'll do whatever it will take in order to find deliverance. Because I'm going to tell you this. The Bible lets us know that God is being, this loving God we're talking about, God is actually... His mercy endures to all generations. He's a merciful God. He's being very patient with mankind right now. He's being very, very patient with... Do you know that Angie told me this week that, that she had heard... And this is in South Carolina. But, oh boy, I'm, i got to finish it now. But people are going to get tender. And so I'm going to try to... Not make tender people tender. Telling because of the severe cold this week that there was some county that they were uh, going to fine people X amount of dollars if they left their pets outside, if they found them doing this, if they found them doing that. Now, let me just go on and say, so nobody gets upset with me about this, uh, when it's that cold, you should use some common and do that. So I'm not for leaving animals outside to die and freeze to death for the record. Amen? Okay. But on the same hand, we're talking about a country, not just a county in our neighboring state, but we're talking about a country and a world that God, this loving God, is being patient with right now that believes it's okay to not only kill babies inside but now outside of the womb or to confuse a child and tell them that they're not what they are to do. And everybody's preached about this. You know about this. You read posts and all this. But what I'm telling you, it, there is coming a day when the judgment of God and the wrath of God is going to be poured out on the sins of this nation and the sins of this world and there won't be no brass serpents, there won't be no altars to fall down to because the ignorance of man at one time God did wink in it but now God demands righteousness and holiness and repentance and salvation of everybody. He does. And his Bible tells us that. So, the first thing that this story reminds us of, this story is, is understanding the deadly destruction and the deadly nature of sin. Church, I want you to understand 
Because if you're flirting with sin, even as a believer, let me try to pull you back in. As I ask God and the Holy Ghost to pull me back in every second of my life. Because it's not a light thing, you see. Sin was the very thing that God sent Jesus down here to pardon you from. It wasn't anything else. And so sin in itself is a serious thing. It doesn't matter if it's aborting babies or if it's lying on your income taxes or lying on your timesheet or trying to be deceptive in your language so nobody won't get mad at you. Sin is sin, and it's like these serpents were back then with Moses once it gets its fangs in you and that deadly venom starts circulating through your spiritual soul, then you become not only a victim of a snake bite, but you also begin to react just like people swell up and die when they get bit and were bitten by these fiery serpents. That's what happens to us spiritually. That's why we are to shun the very appearance of evil. The Bible says if you know that you are around a sinful crowd or a sinful person and you know that that person does not care about God or those people, they're not really interested in heaven or the Bible or Jesus or the cross or the fact that you are. The Bible says for us to, I want you to remember this if you don't know it, to come out from among them. And it's okay to pray for them while you are out from under them. But church, I got to tell you on Christmas Day that you've got to understand you're not just playing with somebody that's kind of out there a little bit. You're playing with sin. And all it has to do is just strike you one time. And then you might say, well, I'm not going to do that. You don't have that option once venom enters your system. Jesus came down here because he knew that the venom of sin was in mankind. And there was no way to flush it out. There was no way to ignore it. There was no way to block it out. And there was no way to pretend that I'm not going to give in to that venom reaction anymore it's in your body when Adam and Eve sinned it became a part of us and the only way you can get rid of it is through the blood of Jesus Christ from an old rugged cross and you've got to understand Jesus left heaven and came to this earth because sin was a dangerous thing to man then and it's a dangerous thing to man now the venom was important because sin and the venom from sin just did then what it's doing today. What does the devil do? I talk about it all. Steal, kill, and destroy. Well, that's what, that's what it did then. It was stealing from the tribes because it was diminishing the tribes. It was destroying families, and it, and it was killing the seed of Abraham. It was killing people. And so this was a serious thing. And God said the only way that this can happen is if there's a remedy. And there was a remedy. It was the healing balm of Gilead. Just like the remedy was Moses doing what God said to make a brass serpent and put it on a pole. There was a remedy. 
called Jesus. That's why he left the splendor of glory. And the Bible says he didn't think it was robbery to leave heaven and come down here and serve uh, in a human body and to be whipped, mocked, rejected. And he even came unto his own, the Bible said. Talking about rejection, he came unto his own that he would later be crucified for. But the Bible said his own received him not. So the day you feel rejected, the day you feel like nobody loves you, even from your own flesh and blood, Jesus can identify with you, brothers and sisters. So God knew that sin, that the, the venom from sin was deadly. He also knew that there had to be a healing bomb that would cover up, that would take care of what those serpents were doing to those people of God. And so God also sent this remedy down here, Jesus Christ. And then he said, the only way that those people can be healed, Moses, is once you make that brass serpent, you've got to hold it up. You've got to hold it up where everybody has a chance. If you just hold it down here at eye level, there might be somebody, a small child back there, that's convicted because they didn't do right or a teenager, or there might be so many people out here among all of the children of Israel they can't see. So Moses, you've got to lift it high where people can see that shiny object that you've put on there. The Bible says that even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And he said, if I be lifted up, if I be lifted up, I will cause all men to come unto me. If I be lifted up. So Jesus had to be lifted up. And just like this, this snake was made out of brass, the feet of Jesus, the Bible tells us in Revelation 1, when John the Revelation, he said, I see him. He's got feet like brass. Behold the feet of those who bring good news. I'm telling you, there's a Jesus that loved you enough in heaven. Hallelujah. And just like today, you are in this church and you're look, looking up at this object right here. But any moment of your life, church, you can look up during a bad day, a sad day, a sick day, or a frantic day in your life. And you can just say, Jesus, just like those people looked up at that serpent. Just like I looked up at that hill called Calvary on that old rugged cross and you were hanging there. I'm looking up there today, Jesus, because that old serpent that you stepped on his head at Calvary, he's trying to strike me today. He's trying to come into my home. He's trying to infect my body. He's trying to come into my family. He's trying to do damage in my life. And I'm looking up to you, Jesus, and all you got to do is cast your eyes on him, church, because he still, today, still cares for you. Hallelujah. And you know what else, church? And you can be encouraged because he really was lifted up high in all the people had to do is what you got to do. When they looked up at that serpent, they just had to believe if they did what they were told that they would be healed and, and the plague from the serpents would stop. And the Bible says that's exactly what happens. I'm telling you, a lot of people and people in the church, people watching or listening at some time, it hasn't worked out in your life 
again. But God sent me here today to tell you it's because you have not 100% fully believed him. You've played around with the thought. You've toyed with the thought. You've taken it. You've tried to correct it. You've done things in your mind to try to help you cope with life or to produce that door that you won't open or that blessing that you've been asking God for. But God just wanted me to relay for him through the Spirit today that all you have to do is just look up and then you got to believe when you look up. See, our problem is, church, we're looking around. You can't look around, church. You can't look around at other people. You can't even look around at your last attempt to pray. You can't look around at your last failure. You can't even look You're not going to be looking around. You're going to look up because your redemption draws nigh up there. Together, those of us that are alive and remain, we will be called up together in the air to meet the Lord. That's where we're going. That's why the Bible says look up because your redemption draws nigh. You look up and you believe. And the Bible says that all things, say that with me today, all things are possible to them that believe. All things, all things, your things, the world's things, the church's things, all things are possible to them that believe. We don't believe the Lord anymore, do we, church? We don't. We don't believe the Lord because we can fix too many things ourselves. We can get by with just having church without the power of the Holy Ghost and be fine. We can get by without people being healed. Are people being slain because they're under the power of the Spirit? You don't hear that kind of stuff anywhere anymore, by the way. But it's still real. There's not one thing about God that's changed. But people don't believe. People can get by, as I said, with just the way it is. I guess just this is just God's will. God's will is you for to believe on His only begotten Son. So if you want to get a little picture today, it starts like this. God showed us way back in Deuteronomy that this is what it looks like. He showed us that all you got to do is look up. And then he showed us after that, several years later, that it was a manger. He said, I'm going to show you that I still want to heal you. I still want to forgive sins. I still want to bless you. I still want to make something dynamic out of your life. I still want you to finish strong. I don't want you to finish dead, predictable, not bearing fruit for me. So I'm sending my son so you can live victorious over sin until the day you die. He said, but then I'm going to have to put him on a cross because if he's not sacrificed, if that perfect spotless lamb is not sacrificed, without the shedding of blood, not just any blood, but the blood of Jesus, God's Son that loves you. He said, there is no remission. There's no washing. There's no forgiveness of sins. So God sent His Son to a manger, to a cross, victorious out of a grave, so you could be delivered from that old serpent, that old snake, 
And you too, every time you look up and you believe, you're walking on the head of the devil. That old snake that tries to bring so much chaos and confusion and hurt in your life. Church, today is the day of salvation. Believe on Jesus Christ and you can be saved is what the Bible says. Hallelujah. Bless your name. Jesus came to save us by healing us as the children of Israel that were stung with the fiery serpents were cured and lived by looking up at that brazen brass serpent. Jesus came so every day of my life I could look up to him. Every day of your life you could look up to him. Not just when you need something, but every day. God, I don't want to make a move. I don't want to go to work without looking up to you. I don't even want to go to town. I don't want to buy groceries. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to do one thing, Lord, unless I look up to you and believe that all things work together for good. I can't quote that enough today. This is what Jesus wants to do for every single one of us today. He wants you to know, as beautiful as this stage is, and the music, and you are out here, that God says there's so much on the table, church. So much on the table. I really believe, and I'm going to just pick up where Joe left off from a while ago. I've never felt the way I feel about ministry right now. One of the hardest things I've had to do is get my eyes off of other ministries and other preachers. What I define as working and successful But do you know everything that I've determined that's working and successful? I never, ever hear one post or one story about miraculous, supernatural things taking place. So I've told my God, Lord, as long as you're willing to leave me here and to leave us here and this church here, Lord, I... I want to look up to you, and I just believe you. I believe you for all the old miracles. I believe you for all the new miracles nobody's ever experienced before. I believe you, God, for what nobody in our church ever thought you would do. I'm just choosing to go that route. I'm telling you before we turn the year next Sunday, I'm looking up to Jesus. He was lifted up for a reason. I'm looking to Jesus and I'm believing. I'm believing for more children to be saved and on fire. I'm believing for more teenagers, more young adults. I'm believing for more homes to be united and more families and more neighborhoods. I'm believing for this church 
to be overfilled, not with just people spectating, but people that are so hungry, believing, looking for God. I don't want more people. I want more believers, and God knows I mean that. I want more people that's going to believe God for what they have never seen before. Before we end our broadcast today, I just want to ask you a simple question. Do you know Jesus Christ? Not do you go to church, not do you have a cross in your home, but do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, meaning that you realize you were born into a world of sin and you are a sinner, and you violated the law of God and you've stored up wrath, and for that you feel bad and so bad that you've asked Him to forgive you and you've changed your way of living to reflect following Christ. If you haven't done that, that's exactly what this entire broadcast is about. It's not about a bunch of people or a bunch of money or attending our church, but it's asking you this question, are you ready to meet the Lord face to face and give an account for your life? If you have not done that or you're not sure, we need to pray right now. And the prayer doesn't have to be a lengthy prayer or an intelligent prayer, but it has to be a prayer of faith from your heart. And you have to pray. You can pray in your own words, but you must realize during the course of your prayer that without the forgiveness of God Almighty, that there is no way you'll have peace with God now or for all eternity. So I want to pray for you. God, I pray for every person listening right now. Lord, that they would understand that it's not your will for any to perish, but for all to have everlasting life. And I'm asking you, oh God, to help my friends right now that may be praying to know that you are waiting. You stand at the door. You said in Revelation 3, you stand at the door and knock. You're waiting on us, Lord. And help them to know, Lord, when they call on you, that they can be saved and they will be saved when they pray from their heart and they make up their mind that they're gonna follow you. Friend, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, you are now a child of the Most High God. Not only do you have an advocate, not only do you have a friend right now that sticks closer than a brother, but you've got the hope of heaven one day. And for that, I am so glad. If you prayed that prayer today, why don't you just take just a moment, if you don't mind, and uh, reach out to us at multitudeschurch.com forward slash uh, saved, S-A-V-E-D. Or you can send us a text that just says saved to 910-400-1199. That's the word saved to 910-411199. Listen, we'd like to help you out on your journey. And there's no strings attached. We just want you to know we're trying to finish our course and fulfill the Great Commission, and you're part of that. So let us pray for you. And if you have any kind of prayer request, why don't you uh, share that with us? Uh, we will not reach back out to you and ask you for anything, uh, but you're welcome to email us and let us know what your prayer need is right now. And that's just a simple email uh, to prayer at multitudeschurch.com. Thank you again for being a part of our broadcast, and we look forward to seeing you in heaven one day for all eternity.
thank you for being a part of our broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church or to watch entire services, please visit us online at multitudeschurch.com. You can also find us on most social media platforms.